Hey, everybody. You know, Mark and I have over 20 years of experience as therapists and as addicts in long-term successful recovery. We know better than anyone what works and what doesn't to break out of porn and sex addiction, heal betrayal trauma, and reclaim your relationship. And we've poured all of our personal and professional recovery and healing experience into a first-of-its-kind program for addicts, spouses, and couples. We call it Dare to Connect. At least four times every week, we engage with you in real time, in the trenches, giving you the knowledge and the tools to take back your life and relationship. Whatever else you've done on your journey for healing and recovery, you've never done anything like this. You know, Mark and I, we've made all the mistakes, so you don't have to. Don't reinvent the wheel. We all know tomorrow never comes. Look, don't wait one more day to change. Claim your free two-week trial today at daretoconnectnow.com. Hey everybody, I'm Steve Moore. And I'm Mark Castleman. We know the pain and heartbreak of porn and sex addiction. And we know the triumph of breaking completely free. Every day, we help our clients find hope and healing. Join us in the fight to take back your life, your marriage, and be stronger than ever. This is the PBSC Squared Podcast. I've got about a thousand questions, Mark. I, I don't. I could just dominate this whole thing. You, you, you jump in. <laughs> I love that. Well, Todd, I'm here. You know, I'm hearing a couple things from you. One of the one of the things that I talk about a lot uh, is this concept of addiction being all about me. Mm-hmm. But when you get into real recovery, it's about we. And from what you're describing, you went from you alone, isolated, hunkered down. Every time life got tough, you ran to your solution. Mm -hmm. And now I'm hearing that you embrace this concept of we. I'm not alone. It's not all up to me. I don't have to go to my strategies. I got this whole network of support, you know, Mm -hmm. including God. So Mm -hmm. you've really gone from me to we as I hear you talk. Yeah. Yeah. And I love um, when going through that program, being called on on that. And it's funny how much, um, we use the word I a lot. Um, and even before, like trying to, to get sobriety and recovery, you know, I always, you know, I always thought that I had to recover myself, right. I had to do the work in order to, to get recovery kind of deal. Um, yet the very first step is realizing that by myself, you know, I'm powerless, right. But trying to strip away that I, um, and, finding that and then developing that trigger you know that i is a trigger when when we are saying i all the time uh, we're really an addiction um and it takes some mental effort to to recognize that and to develop i being a trigger um kind of deal that that exact word and um and anytime you know you try and catch yourself when you want to say i and it's like well can we need to switch that to a we. And the minute you switch that to a we, 
you realize that you take that burden off your shoulder and you add so many more other other factors to your recovery um whether it's the brothers and group that you're starting to you know strip away those interpersonal relationships they had issues with or it's recognizing that hey when i say we um it's a capital we with god right there by me you know if god in the worst situation that i've been in my addiction was still working for my good mm-hmm. how is he not working for my good when i want to say the word i so i can at any time we can substitute I and change it to a we. And if there's a hindrance or, or blockage to be able to switch I to a we, then there's work to be done. And that's a trigger to reach out and connect and, and have a conversation with God or talk to a brother in group or whatever it needs to be done at that point. If there's a block or, you know, inability to, to switch an I to a we, that is a great opportunity um, to seek recovery. And that was something that was really neat to, to have called out on me during recovery um, and to be able to slowly make that transition um, type stuff. And to be able to use the word we more often is much more relieving and and a huge burden off um, my shoulders um, and, and, and brings a lot of help when it needs it, when you need it. So. Yeah. And it sounds, it sounds like that, you know, your transition from I to we also was a big part of your, how you started thinking differently about pain. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting because when you described your, you know, your dark days of addiction, pain was something to avoid, to medicate, to run from, you know, to do whatever. And now mm-hmm. I hear you saying that today, not only do you lean into your pain or really embrace it you take your you take any feelings of pain as a signal that you need or want to get close to god yeah and that's an amazing transition and from the outside looking in you know somebody who could be listening to this is like yeah that's great you know todd's doing great dealing with his pain but it doesn't you know justify how intense my pain is right and Mm. i'll be honest like nothing does, you know, justify that, um, type stuff. Even when you want to qualify, quantify it from a zero to 10 scale, like it doesn't incorporate like how intense the pain is. Um, but the truth of it is that anytime you're dealt with any form of pain, whether it is, it can always serve as an avenue to have a better connection with God. Um, and you know, for a long time in my addiction, you know, I struggle with the fact that, you know, um, you know, Christ suffered for your sins, right? Um, that always haunted me as, as, as an addict. It's like, well, every time I relapse and have an, you know, an addictive moment or whatever, or whatever, I maybe I'm just covered, causing more suffering for, for Jesus Christ. And that just ended up causing more pain and made it worse for me to even try and get out of recovery or get out of, you know, addiction type stuff. Cause I'll just, you know, part of the mindset is like, well, I'll just keep causing more suffering pain for Jesus Christ. And at the end of the, you know, my life, I'll just deal with that kind of deal. But then to realize and to transition, you know, that no Christ paid the price for my sins, but in all reality, because my pain caused my behavior in reality, Christ to me just felt my pain. Um, you know, the atonement for me became um, much more personal when I realized that Christ felt my pain. Um, and so 
now whatever pain I have, what however intense it is, he's right there with me at any given moment. Um, and that made it so that the intensity of the pain was was less because there was always somebody there feeling it with me, um, no matter what. And so, which also fortified that concept of I versus we. You know, I'm in pain. No, we're in pain. You know, when I was in the darkest moment of my addiction, Christ was right there filling it. You know, um, when I was wanting to openly defy him, he knew what that felt like um, kind of deal. And so that's why he always had the capacity to work everything for my good. So as much as, you know, an addict looking in would be like, yeah, that's great. You know, for you, Todd, that you've had this great understanding of pain, but that doesn't justify my pain. I can't speak to that. Um, but I know somebody who can, and that's Christ. Um, because he feels your pain. He's the only one that can truly provide the empathy that we as humans wish we can learn. And through recovery, we try and learn that empathy, but Christ is the only one that really can because he's the one that felt it. So then no matter what intense pain I'm dealt with, he's feeling it. Um, and it made it that much easier to have that relationship and to have that understanding of pain and to seek out avenues um, when I'm feeling that pain to, to connect instead of wanting to go in addiction. Um, and it's not perfect. Um, it, by, by all means, I don't think any of us can say that we're fully recovered from addiction or far away from it. But having that understanding allows me the freedom to to seek out those avenues to avoid a behavior as opposed to diving into it. So, um, anyway, mm. if you were to, if I was to ask you to describe kind of the difference, uh, well, again, kind of getting in in touch with that old Todd a little bit, right? If I was to sure. ask you to describe the, uh, how would I say it? when you would isolate and, mm -hmm. and that place that you would come from with that. Cause I think, I think again, there are going to be a lot of guys listening who can, who are in that headspace right now of when you're up in your own head, right? We use that term sometime in, in recovery, oh, yeah. you know, I know you know what that means. Mm -hmm. um, when you're in that place of emotional isolation and that distorted thinking, what has that looked like for you in the past? Uh, I mean, in the past is like, I, it was, it's a, like, I don't care feeling, right. Mm. Kind of deal. It's, it's, um, you know, I think, you know, that uh, there's that terminology in, in the book of Mormon where it talks about Layman and Lenuel were past feeling, um, kind of deal. It's kind of that, like, you just don't care. Like you feel mm -hmm. it, but it's like, whatever, you know, kind of deal, like a, a whatever kind of feeling. And, um, and it, it's a scary place to be, um, kind of deal. Um, but, and, and you're definitely like you, you, any kind of thought process coming into your head um, was irrelevant at that time. Um, you were totally locked inside your own head. Um, um, kind of, I'll just do whatever I want. Um, you know, I'll, I'll deal with whatever I want. I'll do whatever I want. Um, kind of deal. Um, that's kind of where I went to in kind of that darkest time. And it was a scary process. Um, because there was a lot of scary things and things that were going to significantly change, not more only my life, but the, the life of my wife and my kids um, type stuff. And um, to have a feeling of like, I don't care or whatever, I'll deal with it. And, 
my kids will be fine. My wife will be fine, whatever. They'll find something better. You know, it, it was scary um, mm-hmm. type stuff to definitely be past feeling um, is, is not a good place to be for sure. Yeah. Um, kind of though. Was there almost a, I know for me and Mark's talked about this as well. Uh, I think when we get deep enough in this addiction, whatever that looks like uh, there, where things start to get really scary is when you start to, to lose hope on that really deep level. Right. And you start to come to a place of acceptance around some really toxic viewpoints. Uh, a case in point for me would have been, I mean, I got to a point where I was 100%. I mean, I, I don't know that I could see this at the time, but, but I, I was at a point where I had just resigned myself to the fact that this marriage was going to end, mm-hmm. you know, like there's yeah. no way this one day, this lady's going to wake up and just be like, what in the world am I mm-hmm. doing with this guy? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and, and just be out. And so it was kind of a, that whole concept of even being able to change became blinded by just this new reality of, you know, it's just a question of how long can I keep this, keep this circus tent up and keep this mm-hmm. sham going for before somebody pulls it back and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and shed some light on it. I'm curious what your thoughts are about that. Yeah. Um, well, it's almost like, you know, the, the, the addictive side of you will hold on to that relationship at all costs just as a personal benefit mm-hmm. kind of deal um, to kind of at least have some of those luxuries. And, um, you know, I think all of us, we, we, we seek out and our outward, our outward behavior in addiction is really a cry that we're trying to seek for that love and acceptance that we, we all want that because yes. we all question, we all question, who am I, um, in this life and that, that the sexual addiction or any kind of addiction is an outward expression of us trying to find this love and acceptance. Um, and the, the addict brain will stop it at, at nothing at any cost to keep the addiction going, um, type stuff and um so it it will hold on to the relationship as long as it can as a benefit um kind of deal it will lose it at any cost because you know it doesn't bode well with the addiction um kind of deal the addict mind will will only cares about one thing and that that's to to keep it alive and surviving and and, and fueling for its own benefit um kind of deal um and um realizing that my addiction will stop at any cost um and do anything at, um, and any behavior or be involved in any behavior to keep it going. Um, realizing that was like, well, I have to think the other, you know, the other side, I have to flip that coin over and, and realize that I need to do anything at, at any cost to, to, to seek out connection and to, to, to find my love and acceptance somewhere else other than my addiction, um, kind of deal. So gotcha. I don't know if that makes sense. No, it makes, makes great sense. You're, you're doing fabulous, man. Again, I'm going to hold off with more of my questions, Mark. <laughs> I'll just keep going if I if I don't restrain it. Well, Todd, if you you know, there's a lot of people listening who are at different places in addiction mm-hmm. or recovery, uh, different parts of the decision process. Uh, if you were to if you were to talk with someone out there who is caught up in this addiction right now, and uh, they're not sure how to go forward or if they want to, or if they can, or what would mm-hmm. be your advice to them? How do you get on this track? And yeah, I mean, well, the mindset of being caught up in an addiction um, type of stuff, looking, you know, at this kind of, this type of conversation from the outside looking in um, type of stuff. And I think, you know, even when I was trying to get 
um, sobriety, you know, with all the help that I had, it was always like somebody who wasn't in addiction trying to help. And it was always like, yeah, right. Th this doesn't help. Um, and I think that's what's beautiful. You um, was awesome about getting in with you guys is that now I'm with people in recovery and who are, you know, former addicts as well that are now providing. But even then the addict brain was like, yeah, right. I'm not Mark. I'm not Steve. Yeah. They're great for them. They got success, but I'm Todd. I have bigger issues or different issues than them. There's no way that this stuff will work for me. Uh, my only caveat to that is that um, you might as well try the impossible because the possible just ain't working. And that's exactly what my addict brain was doing. It was just trying to do the possible. It was in that mindset of eyes. Like I'll, you know, I'll do this, I'll do that. I'll do whatever, you know, it was just trying to do the possible. It's like, Oh, you know, type stuff. And so it's like, if you can, grab a hold of this kind of concept of like well todd and mark and steve are all saying oh we'll talk about reach out and this and that or you know pain and having relationships with god like that you know the addict brain wants to say yeah whatever that won't work for me but in the back of your mind that your true self who you really are type stuff um this great wonderful being that you know that is loved by god no matter what you know and little voice in the back saying you might as well just try it try the impossible, you know, just try it a little bit. And, and I would actually like said, try the impossible because the possible just ain't working. Um, and, you know, going back, no matter what I, tr what I tried to do to seek out, you know, sobriety and addiction, addiction always resulted in, in, you know, pornography relapse and, and further behavior, whatever I tried always failed. So I might as well try something that we can try, you know, try that impossible and see where it goes, you know, and I think that's finally what I got it with me with, like saying with you know being in the program with you guys and and even like trying to um just get you guys off my back it's like all right fine i'll try to reach out you know i'll try it whatever what do i got to lose you know the only thing you know what do i got to lose i just have to lose my marriage and i was already okay with that so you know back in my worst part of addiction that's what was the mindset it's like okay well might as well try it i'll, I'll just try um you know reach out and the other thing that was really key um, getting a program is, is, is music, you know, good music type stuff. And I remember yeah. one leaving, leaving the program, like, I might as well just try it. Let's, let's turn this radio station to, to Caleb to 107.5. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that on your podcast, but <laughs> I guess I just did. You can get an endorsement. Out, there you go. <laughs> I might as well turn it to that. Um, and I, I still remember this day, the song that came on, um, you know, something about basically I need a miracle. Um, and that's exactly what I needed. Um, but it was like that one little moment of just just trying it that really exponentially like developed into a huge behavior of only listening to that kind of music to kind of perpetuate my recovery um, kind of stuff and and to just be involved in that behavior. And it's like, all right, I'll just try it. You know, and like I said, getting in my truck one day is like, okay, I'm just going to try to reach out. And then that became my sanctuary, you know, that when I got in on my truck, it's like, okay, it's time to reach out. It's time to have a conversation with God. And, you know, it's even to this day when I drive to work, you know, I still will turn off the music or whatever and have a conversation with God. Cause I know like, if I don't, it, my outcome of that day is going to be far worse um, than it was, um, you know, type stuff. So just try it, try the impossible, impossible just ain't working. So yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, K Love 107.5, your choice <laughs> yeah. for spiritual connection. That's right. <laughs> right. 30, 30, 30 day challenge. Listen to it for 30 days. It'll change your life. 
That's right. No, I remember, I remember Todd working with you and how that was, a, that was such a big part of, of recovery for you um, was, still is. Still was is. the musical, musical side. Yeah. I, I love that. In fact, I, I still have uh, the CD that you, you yeah. gave to all the group Thanks, members man. at the time, which I thought yeah. was, was just fabulous. And I, it's a big part of my recovery as well. What, uh, what other things are, are there other things in your life that help to really dial you in with recovery? Obviously, uh, that that kind of a medium is really good, but the, are there other, for lack of a, like sources that are that kind of become like your anthem for recovery, or your banner for recovery, or things that you know in your life that motivate you, that drive it today? Yeah, I think we. I mean, we've 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 hit on it a lot. Um, you know, I think the music is, is huge. That's still a daily thing that's involved, like just driving, you know, road trips, like anytime I can, working out, um, type stuff. Um, but also the line of work, understanding pain better, um, you know, trying to work in little recovery quotes as best I can, um, kind of deal, um, in regards to that, um, type stuff, um, reaching out still a huge part of me, um, type stuff, uh, you know, voicemail therapy is huge, um, Mm. type stuff if nobody answers, and I still have a list of guys that I, you know, rotate and things like that. Um, you know, that way. Um, yeah, a whole bunch of that stuff um, still plays a big factor. But I think the biggest thing is, is my my conversations with my prayer with God um, type stuff, changing that approach and, and having it more of a relationship prayer as opposed to, you know, a, a formal kind of formality prayer, like following some kind of guy in or whatever you know, kind of stuff, just being able to, you know, take a moment, take a deep breath, and then just openly talk with God, you know, prayers became more of a conversation and, and, and things like that, um, with him. Um, and, you know, anytime I'm going to be in a situation where I know I'm going to go in, you know, to something where it's outside of my control, you know, the, the hours that I work at work, you know, they're outside of my control and what's going to happen. So if it's going to be outside of my control, I might as well give that control to somebody else who can work something for my benefit. So, um, that's a huge thing, prayer. And then just like I said, my relationships with my kids has changed, being able to see them differently. Um, you know, seeing their behavior differently, understanding that their behavior is caused by pain and that my issues with them is really an opportunity for me to look inside as opposed to look towards their behavior you know, they're an opportunity for me to learn, um, about myself and a great reminder is it's like, well, you know, I have this issue with my kid cause he's defying me. It's like, well, how often did I defy and openly defy against God? It's like, there's a great reminder for you, Todd, um, type stuff to, to learn that. And so, um, yeah. I've actually got kind of a two part question for you. Sure. Uh, so the first part is look, you know, we have people who listen to this podcast at, at all different ages. And, and I know that for a fact, we also have some parents and even like religious leaders or other people who, who listen in on this as well uh, for insight or, or guidance. They must be pretty desperate if they're tuning to Mark and I, but, but, uh, <laughs> but they do do that from time to time. And um, if you were to, so the first question is when you like in terms of growing up and, and how sex was treated, like in your household or in your culture, right? Your family of origin, all that stuff. Mm-hmm were there were there elements of that culture and the way it was addressed or approached that you feel like set you up for addiction yeah i mean like any you know before and growing up and even still to this day as a parent like it's still like any negative behavior that i see 
or it happens is always like, oh, you got to change behavior, right? It was always mm-hmm. like, you got to approach behavior. It was never approach like, well, why did that behavior happen in the first place? You know, yeah. Um, you know, addiction is an outward expression of an internal struggle. And any perceived negative issue that I have with somebody else, whether that be with myself or my kids or whatever, or that person that cut me off, any perceived negative behavior that I have towards someone else is actually just a reflection of my own internal struggle. You know, that pain that's mm-hmm. triggering that behavior. Um, type stuff and to have that realization and even as a parent I still got caught up when my kid you know spills something on the floor it's like you want to get mad and angry at the behavior right Um, type stuff and to 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 try and see well what caused you know what was the cause of that behavior type stuff and so instead of trying to automatically jump on the bandwagon and trying to modify modify the behavior it was more like well let's jump on and try and understand where that's coming from and I think in my line of work dealing with people in their own addiction making that transition as well to realize, well, what's triggering that behavior to happen? How can I see them differently? How can I have a better connection with them to help them as opposed to just trying to jump in and, and surface level modify the behavior um, to help them avoid the behavior or whatever, or try and give them some advice that's going to change their behavior. You know, it, it, you know, I still get caught up in that with, with, with myself, my kids, with all the interpersonal relationship. And every now and then, you know, to try and take a step back and get on my own head and realize, Hey, this behavior is coming from something else other than, you know, they just want to act out or whatever, um, kind of deal. Well, what's their struggle? What's my struggle with what's causing this kind of deal? Yeah. This is kind of related to that, but what would be your advice to those listening who are playing a role with like the young minds, right? People who maybe found, yeah. find themselves caught on in on this early on. Like, I guess maybe a better way to put it is, what would you have liked your be it religious leaders or other people in your life of influence your parents? How would, how do you wish they had handled this yeah. whole dynamic differently? Yeah. I, I think the, the, the biggest thing and the hardest thing, even for me, like, you know, I'm putting myself in my own shoes with my, um, with, um, my oldest kid who's 11, who's getting to that age when I was starting to get up in issues and, and, and just trying to remind him that, you know, as a parent, I'm still trying to learn to be a parent and not the best parent, but I know who is the best parent and that that's the heavenly father. Um, and he's going to love you no matter what. And I'm going to love you no matter what. Um, and you know, when I have conversations with my son, it's like, I'm, you know, we're trying our best to help you become the, the best you, um, in, you know, the way that we know how, um, and under, you know, trying to early on, you know, give them that understanding and say, Hey, you know, you're outwardly trying to seek hey everybody, this or that, or, you know, someone, who, are you looking to take your recovery in your marriage to the next level? Realizing that we you're outwardly expressing, couples one-on-one, um, with both in-person and online therapy options, you have access to the experts that, hey, anytime, there's a better anywhere. source for that. To learn more, visit you know, us at pbscpodcast.com. You know, I'm going to always try to be there for that and, and, and trying to to understand that um, you're trying to outwardly ex, you know, express that you want to be loved no matter what it is. And so um, I'm going to help try and guide you towards the person that I know can do that. Um, and, uh, and the person that it will help me trying to, to do that for you as well. And so, um, type stuff and understanding that, that, that behavior is just trying to, they're trying to seek connection and trying to, to be loved and be connected and accepted. And so I love that. Love that. Other and questions, think, Mark. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Todd. No, I was, just, I, and I think that also works for the spouse too. 
Um, and it was, it was always hard for me to, to be the one to try and say that for my wife. Um, because it's, it's kind of her journey that I unfortunately kind of, you know, gave that to her. But I think for her, um, other spouses dealing with addiction, understanding that it's, it's not about them, um, that the internal struggle that that spouse is dealing with is being outwardly expressed in an inappropriate behavior. And it doesn't condone it or justify it, um, but hopefully gives a better understanding that um, it's that they're seeking love no matter what. And the same thing with the spouse, they're seeking love no matter what. And their, their offense and their struggle with somebody who's caught up in that addiction um, is also just a reminder that um, we are all trying to get that love and acceptance no matter what. And there's only one true source of that. Um, mm. And if your spouse is caught up in addiction um, and it's hard to see that your spouse loves you, you can always seek out God to know that God loves you and that through God, you can have love towards the spouse, even in that negative behavior um, and type stuff. And so uh, I think it works in any circumstance. So, we appreciate you being on Todd and being so open yeah, and honest. We know it takes a tremendous courage and uh, being, being willing to, I like to call it intimacy into me. You see yeah. Yeah. very intimate today and allowing people to see into you. And we, well, I mean, it's, it's a bigger that. benefit for me though. I mean, this to, to readdress like your, your story and to tell your story. Um, it gives that much more power towards um, getting into recovery and, you know, addiction doesn't want to be talked about, you know, addiction comes from that question of who I am, which is right there with, you know, shame, you know, shame is really that ultimate like question of who I am. And it doesn't want to be talked about. It doesn't want to have a light shine on it. It wants to be hidden. And I spent way too long keeping it hidden. And so um, to be able to have a spotlight and to openly talk about it, that's exactly what we all need and that's what I needed. And so the bigger things is, is for you guys allowing this to be happen uh, to happen. And so I think anyone who is listening, um, share your story, share your story as much as you can and share that pain that's causing that addiction um, in order to shine a light on it. So it doesn't have that power anymore. Um, and it can alleviate some of that burden on you so that you can have the freedom to, to start, diving into and or, or even just kind of sticking your foot in the water of recovery to see how if it's a little warm or it's and then once your foot's in maybe you'll get up to your knees and you know, maybe that's all you need is just yeah. to just to give it a little try um you know to 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 share your story to not allow it to be hidden anymore um and that's uh, it's huge for me today so we so appreciate it, Todd. Thank you again. I it's it's just been invaluable having you on here, and uh, yeah, it's 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 a joy to joy to know you, my, my friend. You're you're a good man. Thanks. Um, thanks thanks again for coming. Uh, I think we're gonna we'll go ahead and we'll wrap up. Uh, we we have other interviews like this coming up for all those out there listening. Uh, we are always open to questions or things that you would like to have addressed on these interviews, either by us or by others that we'll have on. So please reach out to us. You're welcome to visit us at com, And we've got a contact form on there. We'd love to hear feedback, thoughts from you, questions, all that good stuff. All right, everybody. Sounds good. Thanks again, Todd. Thanks, Thank guys. All right, you're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. That's all for today. Thanks for joining us. And remember, the opposite of addiction isn't sobriety, it's connection.
Together, we can do the impossible. To learn more about Mark and Steve and to listen to more podcast episodes, visit us at pbscpodcast.com. Everything expressed on the PBSC podcast are the opinions of the hosts and the participants and is for informational and educational purposes only. This podcast should not be considered mental health therapy or as a substitute thereof. It is strongly recommended that you seek out the clinical guidance of an individual qualified mental health professional. If you're experiencing thoughts of suicide, self-harm, or a desire to harm others, please dial 911 or go to your nearest emergency room.